Good advice. Like Don says, if you have to hunker down, do it this week. I don't think your bosses will mind. We just give him a permission slip. Signed, Don Kleppen, WGN Radio. Heck yeah. It's a catch-all. <laughs> All right, speaking of staying warm, I am eating some of the best food I have ever eaten in my entire life. A kosher guha is from Baka, Hakabaka, which is in Lincoln Park. If you've never been there, they specialize in making Indian kati rolls, but you have a new location in the West Loop. And I'm telling you, this is some of the most delicious, and this will warm your, your body for sure because it's got a little spice to it. But uh, tell us a little bit about Hakabaka. Yeah, so um, Hakabaka has been in Lincoln Park for three years, and in uh, October we actually opened our second location in uh, West Loop, and it's it, we're still ironing out some of the kinks with the West Loop location, but uh, we're planning a grand opening towards the end of February, early March, and uh, so far the reception has been great at the new location. You're right off the DePaul campus. You're off of um, Racine and Fullerton, and I always see lines forming. That's got to make you feel good when people are forming lines outside to get in and, and have a, a kati roll. <laughs> well, typically winters are a little slow, uh, well, just yeah. like for most restaurants. <laughs> yeah. But um, summer, we get really busy, and especially uh, between March and uh, May. Things get really busy for us. Tell me a little bit about your culinary journey back to your school days in India. Right. So when I was in India, uh, I had to do a lot of cooking. Um, however, having um, you know a culinary profession was not uh, on my uh, radar, so to speak. And then I came to the United States, um, had a job as an economist for about 10 years. I was in economic consulting. Then one fine day... I, you know, woke up and, you know, told my wife, who needs a savings account? Let's, um, let's... She's still your wife, right? Yes, yeah, she's okay, still my wife. I mean, surprisingly, <laughs> right. she's still my wife. Right, right. But that's a big decision. You know, you're, you're, in, you're in your career, you're successful at it, and you, you wanted to open a restaurant. Yes. And one of the main reasons was, um, you know, entrepreneurship is such a multifaceted aspect of... Um, uh, life in general and and you learn so many new things so i mean it gives you a different worldview altogether mm -hmm. and i think that, that was the big thing for me that working for somebody you know you know it's the same thing when you when i come and hear some of the uh quote-unquote criticisms or constructive criticisms from customers mm -hmm. and they'll come and give us suggestions and i was like and i keep thinking about well there's so many facets that you just haven't thought of right um, you know, like it, it's like if someone comes and tells me, oh, yeah, you should buy real estate in Mars. I mean, that's a great idea. And I'm sure at some point in time, it's going to be great. But you haven't given me a path of execution. That's the most important thing. And you don't see that until you are an entrepreneur. It's true. I think that's very true. And it's good advice, too, for the, for young entrepreneurs yeah. out there. And, and you're you're very successful. You have one of the most famous Indian restaurants in Chicago, uh, Hakabaka. What I find it really neat is that I was just joking with you and said, is, is she still your wife? Because that's a big decision. But your wife was instrumental. And I think even when you tell the story of how you reconnected with your wife, where you were, and how she probably led to your deciding to open the restaurant. Right. So um, in, my wife and I were uh, college sweethearts. Um, we met in the year 2000. And I mean, it's remarkable in and of itself that after 18 years, she still wants to stay married to me. But <laughs> that's not true. No, you have a wonderful marriage. <laughs> so um, from 2000 to 2003, we dated, and then I moved to the United States. 
And then incidentally, at that point, she basically said that, you know, I'm, you know, my career and my life is here in the, in India. I don't think this will work out. So we we kind of uh, called it quits, and we were um, we were in touch, but just friends. Yeah. Till about two thousand and nine, and then in two thousand and nine, um, uh, things stabilized for me as far as work was concerned, as far as my immigration status was concerned, yeah. and all that. And at that point, I went and uh, proposed marriage, and then she. So it's like, well, you so know, you went back to India. Yes, I did to go, Kolkata. Yes, to, to actually uh, Mumbai. A Mumbai. She okay. was in Mumbai. Okay, so she's in Mumbai. Yeah. So you fly back there. You knew what you wanted to do. Yes. Okay. And, and I went back there, and then uh, I met her, and we talked about this, and she's like, well, you know, I'm not sure if uh, USA would be the best place for me because I, I, you know, I've just. Most immigrants who come here, their uh, worldview of the United States is really defined by the movies and the uh, culture. Sure. So she's thinking, well, I don't know. I mean, I've seen all these soap operas and TV shows. And is, if that's what life is like, maybe I won't like USA. So I was like, why don't you just come see me, meet my family? Um, and then if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, then, you know, maybe we can have another conversation. Okay. So now, did you, did you at this point have to talk to her family? To uh, talk- not yet. Okay. Not, not yet. yet. Okay. Okay. So, um, and at that point when she came to the United States, um, I tried to make this the most memorable trip she's ever had. <laughs> right. So I took so her So what to- did you do? What were some of the things that you thought you said she has to know the, the great things about America? So I actually took her to uh, New York City, obviously Times Square. Everyone has a selfie there. Of so. course. Good. Good. That's a <laughs> so, good call. So New York City. Then we went to Washington, D.C., seat of power, obviously. Nice. And then uh, Niagara Falls. And then obviously within Chicago. Yeah. Um, we just uh, took her to the nicest places. And I just kind of wanted to give her a layout of what my life is like here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I was actually working at Cincinnati at the time. Okay. So I uh, took her to Cincinnati as well. And uh, so she got to see the huge New York City. She got to see a smaller city. And then she got to see not necessarily a mid-sized city, but uh, a fairly popular, but not the biggest city, which is Chicago. Right, right. And that was her favorite. Yes. And she kind of got flavors of all of that. And then when she went back, I called her up and I was like, so what did you think? Do you think that this is something that, you know, you can see some place where you can see yourself in? And she was like, yeah. I, she I, said, yeah. yeah. So ah. I was like, and then you knew. So that, that that's when I knew. So unfortunately, there was no major romantic proposal. It was more like a negotiation. Of course. Well, that, but that, that's good, though. That's, that's, sort of, that's sort of romantic, too, because when she came here, you took her everywhere. I mean, right. you probably took her on, on more you know, to more places than many people have been in their lifetime. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely think that uh, I, I, but it was kind of planned. I wanted to show America with its best foot forward. And I, I think that obviously uh, that goal was met. And then um, we got married in 2011. And you've been married ever since. Ever Happily since, married yes. ever since. So when you turned to her and said, I want to open up my own restaurant, she gave the blessing. Um. So... She's very practical. Yes. Um, I Which am, she has to be. Yes. yes. And I'm a risk taker. Okay. So she was like, well, let's think, think this through. Uh, what's the best option? And then she asked me, like, Are, aren't you happy at your job? Because, you know, I had a very well-paying job. And I was like, well, you know, it's not that I'm not happy. I really liked the people I worked with. I really sure. liked the job. Right. But at the same time, I felt like I don't see myself doing that 
all the way through 60 because I met so many people who are very successful in what they do, but they always had that one thing that, oh, you know, I was so good at baseball and if I just continued playing, maybe I might have been a major league baseball player. But so what I realized that was that my fear of regret was a lot more than my fear of failure. So, and that's a, that, I think that is a wonderful motto to have, too. Because so. you could always, you know, years down the road, if you think, oh, I really missed being an economist, you could go back to it. But this was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime. Yes. And, and you took a leap of faith. Right. And, you and, and we, my wife and I, my wife's name is Shrata. Shrata and I sat down and we discussed this. And we looked at the pros and cons and we realized that we're relatively young. So even despite, even if we lose all the money that we invest in this, there's still adequate time to make it up. However, we also realize that if this doesn't work, there might be some of the things that we've wanted to do, like buying a home and sure. things like that. That may not be a, an immediate reality. It might happen a couple of years down the line. But we we knew what we were getting into. We knew it was a lifestyle change. And we were fully equipped to handle that. And I don't think I would have thought things through as much unless it was for her. And I think that's the biggest problem because I speak to new entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, or would-be entrepreneurs at least uh, two to three times a month. And everyone cannot understand the the lifestyle changes that are... That it's is, that hard. Is, yeah. yeah. And the biggest thing is money because most people who want to do entrepreneurship are doing this because they've saved up enough money in their current jobs and they want to invest it somehow. And I keep telling them that that lifestyle change is the biggest thing. Like, you know, my wife and I, before when we when we were both working, um, she still has a day job, by the way. But um, when we were both working, the conversations were, okay, which part of the world are we flying to now? There's Thanksgiving coming. Of so course, right. From that, it went to when, in our first year, do we have enough money to order Chinese takeout? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. They say you have to yeah. give it a couple of years. Did you think that it would turn into one of the most successful Indian restaurants in Chicago? Um, well, I don't think we're still there yet. There's still it's pretty little... good, though. You got, when, you, when we said you were showing up tonight, you had, a, you had our own line right. out the door waiting for you. So, Well, again, thank you so much. I mean, uh, it means a lot when hearing that. But um, I think that we still got a little bit, uh, some ways to go. And, uh, you know, with every new location that we open, it's a, it's so much of learning happens. Yeah. And, and I think that's the beauty of starting your own business, that you're never stagnating. If you're stagnating as an entrepreneur, there's something terribly, terribly wrong with the way you're doing things. I like the fact that you pay it forward, too, in talking to young entrepreneurs so they can learn from your successes and what you've done, what you've done right. Right. Well, I mean, I definitely like to... Um, so the biggest pet peeve that I have with the internet is that all you get to hear are uh, unicorn stories. Right. Oh, you know, I mean, the guy who started Uber, he went from working in a basement to $5 billion company in five years. That happens so few and far. It's between. very rare. Yes, the normal, the normal entrepreneurship challenges is what I'm facing. What all you know, and I have a big community of entrepreneurs. Uh, we all talk to each other, and everyone's going through the exact same thing. You forget to have you know breakfast, lunch, and then dinner, and then when you're in bed, you're like, oh my god, it's like three a.m. and I forgot <laughs> to eat all day. Right. Um, I wish I had that problem, Koshi. But, <laughs> <laughs> but and then you know sometimes you forget to do things. Sometimes. Uh, you don't have money. Sometimes you can't really do what you want. If you have a decent job, like I remember when I was working in 10 years, there was really nothing that I couldn't really do. Yeah. 
Um, I haven't been able to go back to India because of time. Initially, it was money, then it was time. And I just I haven't been back since 2013. And and those are sacrifices that you make. But no one talks about those on the Internet. Everyone's talking about how great their life is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure, they made some sacrifices. But no one tells you the extent. And I know so many people who went down the entrepreneur route. But the crazy hours, like an average entrepreneur, especially in the first five years, they're typically working about 100 to 120 hours a week. It's a, a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's 168 you know, It's basically hours. you're working and you don't sleep. Exactly. Ever. We're talking to Koshik Guha, the owner of Haka Baka Indian Kati Rolls. Tell us a few, uh, I want to I talk about the Kati Rolls too. Tell us uh, what the Kati Rolls are and some of your specialties right. at Haka Baka. So the way I'd like to put a Kati Roll is that uh, if a burrito were to go to India, it would be a kati roll. So it's uh, about a 9 to 10 inch uh, handmade uh, pan-seared flatbread. We coat that with an egg. We add um, your choice of protein. So the most popular is chicken tikka. That's chicken, what I have tonight, yes, right? Yes, that's it's, what It's you're spicy, eating. but it's it's not overwhelmingly spicy. It's a perfect kick, I think. Well, I mean, that. so that was the recipe design. So we worked really hard to get it to yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you add chicken tikka and then you add your uh, onions, cucumbers, cilantro and jalapenos if you want. If you don't want the jalapenos, we'll skip the jalapenos. Okay. And then we add four housemade chutneys, a sweet tamarind, a tangy cilantro, a savory yogurt and a spicy chili to that. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a, it's a perfect blend because yes. the yogurt then counter counterbalances the chili. Yes. Well, actually, the sweet tamarind counterbalances the chili. Ah, okay. So the four uh, sauces are designed so to touch the floor, uh, four major flavor quadrants. So you have sweet, tangy, spicy, and um, savory. That's perfect. And these yes. are all your recipes? Yes, these are all my recipes. Are these, are these recipes that were passed down or some um, you came up with too? Well, I mean, not really. So uh, the main recipes originally... so. Since growing up in India, these are very popular sauces that everybody uses all across mm-hmm. it, the board mm-hmm. in India. But then I had to modify the recipes to standardize the process. Okay. Um, because, you know, the simplest chicken curry takes seven different spices. And it's very, very cumbersome to be able to do that repeatedly in the same way, in the same format. Mm-hmm. So it took me and my wife about two years to come up with recipes that are have standard formats. Because, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, the the path of execution is very, very important. Yeah. Sure, you want to open a restaurant, but then you have to um, ensure that it's consistent. Yeah. And in order to do that, we had to figure out what's the best way to figure out um, to standardize this process. So what we did was we spoke to various contract manufacturers. So we have portion control dry ingredients, portion control uh, wet ingredients. All my guys have to do is make sure that they take the dry and the wet and they mix it um, with the chicken. So that's how we ensure um, you know a similar product every single time, the, the identical product every single time, no matter which day of the year. It could be minus 45 outside. Right, which it will in. be. <laughs> yes. And you're going to get the same uh, nice chicken tikka every single time in our restaurant. Well, I think it's perfectly executed. It's accurate. It's consistent. And just the flavors just explode in your mouth. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. That Con- means a lot. Congratulations on your success. You have two locations. Tell tell us where both locations are. Um, so our first location is in Lincoln Park. It's on the corner of uh, Racine and Fullerton. Our second location is in the West Loop. It's on the corner of um, uh, Morgan and Lake. Morgan and Lake. So it's 1002 West Lake Street, Hakabaka. Where'd you get the name? I love that name. Um, well, we uh, tried to come up with a proper um, Indian name, but then we did a lot of focus groups. And then, then, then using terms like India or Bombay were so generic. Yeah. We wanted it to <laughs> pop and stand out. And um, we 
we realized that uh, most people in America have a penchant for rhyming words. Ah, okay. <laughs> you, did, you did do your research. <laughs> so, so that's why the name kind of stuck. I love it. It's HakabakaRolls.com, Twitter and Instagram at HakabakaRolls. Koshik Guha, best of luck to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much and stay warm. Uh, yes, thank you. You too. More after this, 720 WGN.